0: Good morning. It's wonderful to be in the house of the Lord today. We're so grateful to see each of you that have come out to share with us in the services today. We trust that God has blessed you with a wonderful week and you're you're feeling well today. I just uh, praise the Lord for the opportunity to be here this morning. I do notice a change up here. Somebody put a clock right in front of me. I guess there's a message in that. I don't know what it is, but uh, we'll find out. But uh, take your Bibles this morning and turn to the book of Acts chapter four. And I appreciate that wonderful music the choir has given us this morning. And that last song, Till the Storm Passes Over. I remember several years ago going to South Florida on a disaster relief trip. Hurricane Andrew had hit South Florida, left an 11 mile swath of destruction that just took out everything in its path. We were stationed at the First Baptist Church of Homestead. And that morning, that Sunday morning, we got in there late Saturday night, and we slept in a tent outside the church building, but that Sunday morning was their first service back in their church building. That church building had been destroyed. And that was the song they sung, Till the Storm Passes Over. And I've remembered that so many times down through life, that they could sing that song after such a devastating thing had happened to them. Would you stand with us out of reverence to the Word of God as we read from Acts chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. The Bible says, And as they spake unto the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead and they laid hands on them and put them in hold until the next day for it was now eventide howbeit many of them which heard the word believed and the number of the men was about 5,000 would you pray with me fathers we stand in your presence this morning and in the presence of these precious people we come to give you praise to give you glory give you honor and adoration at you and you alone are god we thank you father for the privilege just to be in your house today thank you that lord that you've watched over us and you've protected us another week and you've given us the opportunity to come back to your house today to worship you and father we just pray that your holy spirit will fill this place we pray that you will be exalted and you'll be glorified and you'll be magnified We pray that lost souls will be saved into your kingdom, and those who have drifted away would return to you, Lord, and Father, that every meeting and every life would be met here in this place this morning. May you get all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise, for it's in the name of Jesus we pray, amen. Thank you, and be seated, please. I'm very much aware that I could have preached on some other things this morning, such as how grateful I am that Roe v. Wade was overturned this week. I could also preach on unity because our nation is in bad need of unity. We're split all over the place on about every subject you could think about. But as I looked at this passage of Scripture this week, the Lord spoke to my heart. and He gave me some thoughts on this Scripture that seems a little bit unusual, or at least it seemed that way when I was studying it. And the title of this message is What the Preaching of the Word Does. Let me take you back just a little bit into chapter three. Peter and John had started to the temple. There was a lame man, a man who was born lame from his mother's womb, who stopped them and asked them for an offering. And Peter said to him, silver and gold have we none, but such as we have we give unto you. In the name of Jesus Christ, as Nazareth, rises up and walk. And this man got up and walked. A great miracle had been done there. And it brought about an opportunity for Peter to preach the Word of God because many people gathered and began to look at that man and to wonder what had happened to him. And Peter preached to them. And there were many who trusted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And Verse, chapter four and verse one picks up on this. The word and, it connects back to chapter three. And as they, speaking of Peter and John, spake unto the people. And I I begin to see something in this, that the Word of God does different things in different lives when it's preached. And I was reminded of a verse of scripture in 2 Timothy chapter four and verse two where Paul admonished Timothy with these words, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Anytime we're preaching the word of God, there's some things that are going on in people's lives that are hearing the word of God. God in His Holy Spirit is able to move in lives in many ways. And I see in these four verses here, three different instances of what the Word of God did. You see, preaching the Word, sometimes it irritates people. Notice with me here in verse one, and as they spake unto the people, the crowd, the priest and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them being greed or being irritated that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Sometimes the preaching of the word of God just plain old irritates people. It gets down where we live. It gets into our personal business sometimes. And it irritates people. Well, who was it that irritated here? Well, it wasn't the crowd. But it was the religious people that it irritated. Notice the priests. Who were these priests? Well, the priests were all descendants from Aaron. Aaron's lineage goes way back. Moses and Aaron were brothers, and God po- chose Moses to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt, and he, he became kind of like a God to them. But Aaron was his brother. And Aaron, God appointed him to be really the father of all of the priests that would come down through the centuries. History tells us that about this time uh, in the days of Jesus that there were about 20,000 priests that were scattered over Israel. They were grouped into different groups. They called them courses. If you remember when Zechariah went down to do his job in the temple there, the Bible states that he was of the course of Abiah. 24 different groups of these priests They would come from their towns there in Jerusalem or around Jerusalem and they would serve one week, twice a year in Jerusalem. They would come and do all of the things that were to be done there in the temple and to do all the things that the high priest needed them to do. And then they would go back to the towns they lived in and there they would serve in their synagogues. But these priests that were gathered there these priests that were on duty at this particular time, they were coming, they were irritated by the Word of God. And it talks about then the captain of the temple, the captain of the temple, who was he? Well, this is the man that was chosen by the high priest. He was kind of the chief of staff if you would have it that way he was also over the the military unit that was there to protect the temple and and to make sure that everything was done accordingly and then there were the Sadducees the Sadducees were a religious group There were two different religious groups in those days, mainly the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And we've talked about this in the course of time that I've been preaching to you, that that the Sadducees were, they were more kind of like the liberals of today. They didn't believe in the resurrection. They didn't believe in the Holy Spirit. They didn't believe in miracles. They didn't believe in, in anything much other than what man could do for himself. So I can see how this irritated them. I think it irritated the priests because they were kind of afraid of losing their position, especially the high priest. You see, the high priest was appointed not by God anymore, but by Rome. The Jewish people were under Roman rule. The Bible will mention Annas and Caiaphas many times in dual roles. At this particular time, Caiaphas, Rome, had put him in as the high priest. But Annas, the one who had served so many times and his sons had served so many times, he was kind of the kingpin behind He told Caiaphas pretty well what to do. They were afraid of losing their position. They were afraid if there was an uprising there that that Rome would step in and Rome would throw them out. They'd be out of the job. They'd be out of their position. The captain of the temple, I can see where he was just more or less obeying orders. The high priest had told him to go. "See what's going on down there. Why is all these people gathered out there? Why is all this preaching being done? Why are they out there, and what are they preaching and what's going on? He's just following orders. He's just obeying. But the Sadducees, they didn't believe. And this was really tearing their religion up, because there were miracles that were being done. There was the preaching that Jesus had risen from the dead and that went against what all they believed. They just couldn't accept that. So instead of listening to it and accepting it, they were willing to just wipe people out in order to get that stopped. Well, notice what they did there in verse 3. It says, they, speaking of these these people that came down they laid hands on them on the apostles on Peter and John and I thought about this the Bible also talks about laying on of hands of the the elders of the church but this wasn't a healing service that they were in they came out not to lay their hands on them but to grab them to arrest them to place them in jail and that's what they did they arrested them they put them in jail the Bible says because it was now eventide, it was down toward the end of the day it was at three o'clock in the afternoon when Peter and John came to the temple that day and that lame man was healed so it was getting on down toward dusky dark They were not allowed to hold court at night, although they did when they tried Jesus. They broke their own laws. But they'd gone back to observing that now. Let's bring them in the morning, and we'll do something. They laid hands on them, and they put them in hold. That means they put them in jail. There was a place there that they could put them in confinement and hold them. They put them in hold until the next day for it was now eventide. Do you realize that we're living in a day today? And I think probably in the next few weeks and months in our nation that we're going to see some things play out that we never thought possible. Don't think just because Roe versus Wade was overturned that that ends the battle. It's just beginning. I got a warning from the Tennessee Baptist Convention this week for churches to be on alert because there may be people outside the doors here today that are picketing us. And if they are, they've suggested the first thing you do is call the police, let the police handle it. They suggested that instead of going out and confronting them that we be nice, we be Christian people. Don't draw attention to yourself. You say that'll never happen in America. Well, I hope it doesn't but it may happen just any time you see when we preach the gospel sometimes it irritates people but let's look at something else look at verse 2 we have to look at this a little differently being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead yes it grieved this group of people it irritated them But there was another group of people there that were being instructed, and you see, sometimes the preaching of the Word of God irritates people, at the very same time, it's instructing other people. Notice this, they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Who are these people? These people are the Jewish people. They've come here for this big festival. They've come and Jerusalem is filled with hundreds and thousands of people that have traveled very far distances to come and be there. The Feast of Pentecost. They're all Jewish people. There's no Gentiles there. It's Jewish people and they're teaching them and they're preaching to them they preached they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead they were teaching and preaching about what had happened to Jesus just less than two months prior to this. Jesus had been put to death on the cross there. Jesus had been buried in a borrowed tomb and Jesus had arisen from the dead and appeared to over 500 people at one time, plus a lot of other people. And now here's his disciples preaching about the resurrection from the dead. This is something the Jewish people knew very little about. When the resurrection from the dead is mentioned over in the Old Testament, it's generally referring down to the end of the age when the, real, the whole resurrection takes place where the just and the unjust are raised from the dead. But here Jesus foreshadowed that. Jesus was resurrected from the dead and they're preaching that about Jesus, that the way of salvation is through this resurrected Savior they're being instructed, they're being taught. Somebody asked the question, what's the difference between teaching and preaching? Well, there is a difference. One of my teachers told me one day, he said, teaching and telling all of us who are in class He leaned across the pulpit and he said, preachers, when you're preaching, always do some teaching. And he says, when you're teaching, always add in a little preaching. The difference is, preaching is usually done in a more forceful manner. Maybe it was a different inflection in the voice than just teaching. But it all instructs us in the Word of God. God uses it in different ways. It pointed those people to Jesus. They're teaching and preaching about the risen Savior. And then look at verse 4. How be it? Many of them which heard the word believed. Hmm. Although the religious but lost group is on their way down there and out there in the crowd trying to stop the preaching of the word of God, trying to stop what God is doing among those people, how be it in spite of all of that? many of them which heard heard what heard the word believed you see the preaching of the word brings salvation to some and it's inviting let me share with you some words here where Paul told Peter preach the word be instant in season out of season and he uses three words here to describe the preaching of the word rebuke or reprove rebuke and exhort what's the difference well reproving it means to admonish to convict to convince to tell someone of their fault and that's often irritating We don't like to hear our faults. We especially don't like somebody else to point them out to us. But when Paul told Timothy to preach the word, that's one of the things it's going to do, to reprove people. Then he uses another word that is closely related, rebuke. Rebuke means to censure, to admonish, to forbid. Well, that's instructions, really. And then the word exhort. It has the idea to call someone near, to invite them, to invoke, to beseech, to call for some action, to comfort them. And isn't it amazing that the Word of God can do all three of those things in the same passage, in the same message, in the same group, and in different people's lives. It's a wonder that God in His infinite power and His infinite wisdom, that He has given us the Word of God. How many of them which heard the Word believed How does does a person come to know Jesus as their Lord and their Savior? Well, first of all, they have to hear about Him. That's the reason God left us with that great commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. They have to first hear about Him. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. If People don't know about God. They don't know about Jesus. They don't know about how to get to heaven. No wonder they're lost and they're wandering around. But our job is to go out and tell them about Jesus. They heard the word. They heard what Peter and John were preaching there that day. And the word hearing there, it means more than just hearing it in our ears. It means taking it down into our heart. To hear with our heart. And it begins to change us it brings conviction in our hearts conviction that we're sinners conviction that God's Word is true conviction that Jesus is the only way to bring salvation into our lives they believed the word the word believe means to have faith in a person or in what's being said in this case it's about the person to have faith in Jesus Jesus told his disciples in John 14, you believe in God, believe also in me. Believe in me in the very same way that you believe in God the Father. They had faith. They had faith that that Jesus who arisen from the dead. Many of them had no doubt been there and saw him crucified. but now there's there's a, a hope that is stirring in their hearts and in their souls that this Jesus, whom we saw crucified, that He arose from the dead and He's alive forevermore. That's one of the tenets of salvation, to believe that God raised Jesus from the dead. If we don't believe that, we don't have salvation. What's God's Word doing in your life today? I may not be aware of what God is doing in your life, but you're aware. As the Word of God has been preached today, is it admonishing you? Is it bringing conviction in your life? Is it convincing you? If you have a need that you need to come to the Lord and let Him fill that need. Perhaps the same message that is going out today is rebuking someone else. God may say, that's forbidden. You may be living a lifestyle that God's Word tells you, that's forbidden. I remember, I don't know why God wants me to say this, but back, I got saved. I I used to drag race on Sunday afternoons. Had a little 53 Chevrolet car and it it ran pretty fast for a 53 six-cylinder Chevrolet. And I'd go to the drag strip every Sunday afternoon and run down that drag strip. Monday morning, I'd have my car at the garage and spend all my paycheck trying to get it to run a little faster. But I got saved that winter while the drive, drag strip wasn't open. And Frances and I were dating and in the spring when the weather got good, they opened the drag strip back up. And I told her, I said, I want to take you somewhere this afternoon. We'd went to church Sunday morning and we went to the drag strip that afternoon. It was up Fort La- or Teleco Lake has it covered now it was on the riverbank then. I didn't race that day, but we sat up in the stands. And there were people all around us. They were saying words that I didn't want to hear, and I'm sure Francis didn't want to hear them. In those days, canned beer, you had to use it. What we called a key to open it. One of those things that pierced it. And they was opening them all around us and spraying us with all the overspray. And God just spoke to my heart. And he said, You don't need to be here. And I said to Francis, Come on, let's go. And we got in the car. And drove away from that place. And I apologize to her for taking her into that environment. You see, the Holy Spirit just convicted me. That I was in the wrong place. And doing the wrong thing. I've never been back. But I give the credit to God. God. And he may be saying something to you today, you're here because God brought you here. He may be admonishing you, he may be forbidding you something in your life and you don't like that, but yet it's still what God has to say. And all at the same time, you hear that exhortation from God saying, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Others may be hearing, come and trust me as your Lord and Savior. I'll forgive you of all your sins. I'll set you free. I don't know what the Holy Spirit may be saying to you today. But I'm convinced that He's at work here in this audience. And even out in the radio audience and the the internet audience that God is moving and God is speaking to hearts. some of you today you may have come here hurting and needing comfort and you've heard something from God today not from me but from God that has comforted you that has helped you and it's amazing no wonder Paul told young Timothy preach the word He didn't say preach about the Word. He said preach the Word. God convicted me of that back four or five years ago. I was preaching a series of sermons out of the book of Jeremiah up at Friendship Baptist Church in Lenore City when I was their interim pastor. And it was when the people were trying to destroy the Word of God. You remember the king took the copy of the word of god and he cut it up in strips and threw it in the fire i was preaching a a series of sermons out of that passage of scripture about the word of god and god began to deal with my heart to say preach the word my style of, of preaching has changed tremendously since then i used to preach about subjects in the bible and on topics and those kind of things, and that's okay. But I was doing more preaching about the Word than I was preaching the Word. Preach the Word. Be instant, in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort, how? With all long suffering or patience and doctrine. Somebody's going to say, well, I don't like doctrine. Well, you don't like the Word of God. It's all doctrine. (laughs) Sometimes we just don't understand the words. But what's God doing in your heart today? Some of you, maybe He's inviting you to come and be saved today. Well, just come on. Others... You're saved, but you need to draw closer to God. Well, just come on. Others he may be saying, you've trusted me as your Lord and Savior, now follow me in baptism. Just come on. Maybe others that the Lord has said, there's an area of your life that you need to commit to me. You, you've, you, you've tried to handle it all by yourself. And you're making a mess out of it. trust the Lord with it do what he says God wants to bless us church he wants us to be all that we can be but he won't let us just live any old way and do any old thing and still have his blessings upon us as we bow our heads in a time of prayer and see it get ready for the invitation today how is God speaking to your heart? You say, well, how do I know if it's God? Ask Him. He says, call unto me and I will answer and show you great and mighty things that you know not. Father, we come in the name of Jesus today praising you, O Lord, for the privilege just to stand this morning and proclaim your word. I don't know how you touch people's hearts in different ways, but I know you do. That's your business, Lord. Father, I pray today that as your Holy Spirit deals with the hearts of people here today, that, Lord, that you will be glorified and you will be magnified. We're praying for lost souls to be saved, for backsliders to come back to you, for lives to be changed. Homes to be uh, re- rebuilt, the sick to be healed, whatever whatever you want to do in our midst, O oh Lord. May Your will be done. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.